OHL hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Originating from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope. Hey, we got our first couple of hashtag ask FNPs. What's a hashtag? It's a thing on Twitter. Oh, yeah. You can follow us on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL. That's him. And uh, I'm Pope at underscore Chris Pope. Of course, as you just mentioned, if you have uh, something that you want Farwell and I to discuss or you have a question or you just want to tell us to shut up, use the hashtag F or ask FNP. That's like for Farwell and Pope. Yeah, not and. No. N. N. So what do we got? You want to read the first one? Yeah, I'll read the first one. Okay. Comes to us from uh, Dana, who goes by Right Post Ghost on Twitter now, but I happen to know him away. He's a big Storm fan. Uh, he asks when we were talking about all of oh, the... He's a good guy. <laughs> Although there was a game we made a wager on. I don't condone wagering on the Ontario Hockey League. I just like to put that out there, but I'm a degenerate. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he lost a dozen butter tarts mm. in the deal. You know how I feel about butter tarts. That I do. Yeah, I might have eaten them all, yeah. all 12, on the drive home from Guelph. Anyway, uh, he asks, because we were talking about the various media room spreads, do you not get Wellington roast beef on a bun in Guelph? Hashtag media spread. Uh, no, Dana, we do not. Although, we wouldn't mind it if we did. <laughs> I, I mean, any kind of roast beef on a bun is good. I've never heard of Wellington roast beef, but... Yeah. I'll take any roast beef on a bun. Absolutely. The only thing I would like to say about the media room in Guelph, the food has definitely improved over the years. Staff is great. Yeah. The layout of the room is awful. It is awful. You're just squeezing Sque- around these tiny little, it's just, but I, I guess there's not much they can do about it. I don't know. Small tables. Yeah. But food wasn't bad this year. Wraps. Yeah, so far. I'll take wraps yeah. any day. We had three more trips to mm-hmm. the Sleeman Center. And then he goes on and asks about the best concessions out of roadies in the OHL, or maybe, actually, no, he's saying, he's been on five of the 20 roadies in the OHL, uh, best concessions. He says Kingston and their full slate of barbecue options. Now, of course, we wouldn't get the chance too often to try the concessions, although our bus driver, Moose, loves to check out the popcorn in every arena, and Don Cameron swore and would back it up with the money in his pocket every time we went to Owen Sound. Best fries in the league. So rest assured that when we go to Bay, the Bayshore this year for the first time, in honor of the late, great Don Cameron, we will get a box of fries. I think we have to. Absolutely. I, if you remember, I did last year um, because they are the best fries in the league. There and if we're talking about popcorn, look no further than Eugene George Way or East Avenue. Really? <laughs> Hands down. Wow. The best him, popcorn. Giving it to the home team. Eh? Yeah. I don't even care. All right. It's perfect. It's salty. It's buttery. It's delicious. There's nothing else more that you want. We sampled some popcorn earlier this year, if you remember, and I said, this just really isn't that good. <laughs> it's not. It's true. But popcorn... And fries. I tried fries this year, too, remember? I was hungry, had fries in a border city, and it wasn't very... They weren't very good. You got a real opportunity as an arena, I think, to put your stamp on it with a good fry or a good popcorn. Popcorn is deceptive, okay? It is. It just smells great. You want to hear the best popcorn story? Ever. Sure. I can't believe I have a story, but I promise you, it's the best popcorn story ever. Is it along the lines of the strawberry story from last week? No. Okay, It's got nothing to do with the washroom (laughs) facilities. It does, however, have to do with getting an email from a billionaire. A what? Yeah, that's right. A billionaire. Okay. I didn't tell you this story before. 
I if you have. did, okay. I've forgotten it. Here it comes. Here it comes. Okay. Many years ago, my buddies and I were on our annual junket to go see an NFL game. And we would, as we got better and better at this trip, we made about 12 of them. We would work in more sports into the weekend we were going to see the NFL game. This particular weekend, we happened to be in Big D to see the Cowboys take on the Eagles Sunday night. So what do we do on Saturday night? But we take in a Dallas Mavericks game. Okay. Okay. So my one buddy gets suckered into the popcorn at American Airlines Arena. Forgive me if they don't still call it that, but that's what it was called at the time. I'm bad with keeping up with my right. professional arena names. I'm having a hard enough time with all the changes in the OHL. Anyway, my buddy gets suckered into the popcorn at the arena because it was a bottomless bucket. American Airlines still named American Airlines. Love it. Remember bottomless that. Bottomless bucket of popcorn. I'll Bottom, take that. Right. And I I want to say it was, man, anyway, I, I think it might have been 20 bucks, but he thought he was getting great value. Whatever it was. That, that's not really the point. The point is you could get your popcorn and you could refill it as many times as you want. And he thought this was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I don't blame him. Okay. So he comes back to the seat. He's like, look, I can share the popcorn because I can just go back and get more. I paid for the bottomless bucket, et cetera, et cetera. Let's just say the popcorn that was served to us was even worse than the popcorn that we bought in Sault Ste. Marie. It was. Sorry, Sue. It was the one, the popcorn we bought in the Sioux was like it was burnt. Yes. Yesterday. And the, <laughs> the popcorn that we got at American Airlines yeah. Arena, very similar. Really? Yes. So we thought, okay, maybe it was just the bad batch. It's a bottomless bucket. Yeah. Just dump that junk out. Go get some more. He does that. Same result. Wow. Yeah. So by this time. You're we, bitter. Well, I, listen, I didn't care. I told him. From, I would be. I told him from the get-go. What are you thinking? Don't yeah. fall for the bottomless bucket trick, right? So by this time, there might be a couple of wobbly pops consumed. And my one buddy says, well, you know, word has it that uh, Mark Cuban answers every email he gets from fans. Really? That's what, I, that's what my buddy said. Wow. I'm like, come on. He insisted on it. So I said, okay. So I pull out my trusty Blackberry and I did a little Googling to find Mark Cuban's email address. And I emailed him from my seat at American Airlines Arena. For those of you that are just OHL fans, Mark Cuban owns the Dallas Mavericks. Just put that out there. And I emailed him. And before that game was over, he had emailed me back and said, that's not right. I'm on it. The owner of the Dallas Mavericks during a game responded to some knucklehead Canadian's complaint about the bottomless bucket of popcorn that did not meet expectations. That's not right. I'm on it. THX. Thanks. That's wow. just, He was quickly just firing it off, yeah. right? I kid you not, as God is my witness, the man followed through on his word. He was on it. So we were there in Dallas for the weekend. Well, what? Okay, so... So carry on. I'm cutting in. Yeah. yeah. So we get back. <laughs> we get back home to good old Canada, eh? Yeah. And midweek, I, by Wednesday at the latest, I think it might have been Tuesday. We get an email from his VP of whatever operations. I'm not making this up, and said, "I heard about your experience. We want to make it right." Like, are you kidding me? This was a bucket of popcorn. You know what'll make it right, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> where does the hundred thousand dollars? Where does the price start? <laughs> So in the end, what ends up happening with this is first and foremost, they identified the breakdown 
in their popcorn-making system. Wow. Which turned out that they would pop it as much as three days before the event and serving it. And then they would just kind of warm it up and put it in a bucket for you. That is a lot. So they changed their process so, so that should. the popcorn would only be popped on the day of the event. Wow. And furthermore, they sent us an American Airlines golf shirt and a cheerleader calendar. With a bag of popcorn. Microwavable popcorn. Sadly, no popcorn. But they did say, the next time you're at American Airlines Arena, let us know your popcorn's on us. We wow. haven't been back since. But... There you go. That's my. I don't know how that didn't occur to me to tell until now. We were talking about popcorn. Mark Cuban sent me an email. I don't know. We've <laughs> we've ridden the bus for how many hours, and I've never heard this story of Mark Cuban sending you an email, and you being solely responsible, you and your friend being solely responsible for the bettering of popcorn at American Airlines Arena. If you have sampled the popcorn at American Airlines Arena in the last, I don't know how many years, eight and it's, it's up to snuff, it's one of your favorites, let us know. If it's not, maybe we should email Mark again. Hashtag ask FNP. I want to know how many people are now trying to do a, some Google searching and finding Mark Cuban's email. He answered, I swear it. I wow. swear it. Okay. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. Not so bad, was eh? there more to that? <laughs> we, we just went off the rails. Oh, yeah. Well, no. He, uh, right post ghost. was just talking about the best concessions. Oh, yeah, he liked concession, yeah. yeah. I think Which, that's about it. I, I, like, I like the fries and on sound, popcorn and kitsch. There you go. You? I don't. You, you, I have never tried any concessions no? anywhere. No, except this year I will buy fries at yeah. the Bayshore. I tried um, North Bay. I had some of the concession too. Can't remember what I got. Fries probably. If I couldn't remember, it couldn't have been that good. Hmm. Uh, hashtag Ask FNP. Uh, Ivan Arbor says, "I guess this could be my first Ask FNP question for the podcast. Would you rather see a three-two-one point system?" like international hockey in the Ontario Hockey League, maybe the NHL too, it would give some teams a little more incentive to win in regulation. Mike? Don't mind the idea of incentive to win in regulation, but I'm going to go completely old school and off paper for you here, and I'm going to insist on this as I have before. No more ties, no more shootouts, no more nothing. You play the game until there is a winner. And the argument that I always get back for that is, well, it's different than baseball. You can't just keep playing because they might have to play the next night, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I understand that. But my contention would be as follows. It's not like a game goes to overtime every night. And in fact, if there were no more ties, they would be even less likely to go to overtime because players know, teams know, that the end of 60 minutes doesn't mean bonus points. So that argument just doesn't hold with me, and I believe it'll work itself out. Yep, you'll get worn down, and yep, you might have to play the very occasional five- or six-period game. Very occasional. Other than that, just play until somebody wins. Done. Really? Yeah, that's what I say. I think I like the 3-2-1. I like it a lot. So three for a win, yeah. Two for an Man, there, overtime win, and one for a lot an overtime loss. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of overtime games in the league last year. Yeah, like a lot, and it really affects the standings. It does, like a lot. And if you can somehow even that out, I, I think why not? That's I don't know. I don't know if there's a better way. I don't mind overtime. I like the sudden death. 
Joseph Graffa told us this year it's the best thing hockey ever did, making it three on three. Yeah, and that's okay. So and so you can even play three on three till somebody wins. Yeah. Right? But no more. I just don't like it's like the rouge in the CFL. Stop with the points for failure. I'm sorry. Stop. Hmm. No, you don't get rewarded for not winning the game. End of story. 33, 36, 39, 40, 43 shootout games last year yeah, across the league. Stop it. That's the least, that's, that's my least favorite thing. And I think you know that. You're just trying to goad me now. Just play till somebody just wins. Just play the game the way it was meant to be played. I'll give you the three on three. If you want to go, or if you, if you want to try something even a little more different, go start five on five. And then at 15 minutes, go four, four on four. On four. Oh, that's stupid. And then at, at 10 minutes, go three on three. No, I hate it. It okay. takes you back to when I was playing like minor hockey and you go in tournaments. Then they're like, okay, now we're going to start five on five. Like, just play five on five or go straight to three on three. Okay. I'll go straight. I'll give you the three on three. That's the concession I will make. But you're playing until somebody wins. And it, if you're going three on three, it ain't going to take you five periods. No. So there you go. It's, it rarely takes more than two minutes. It, it's great hockey. Yeah. Fire wagon hockey. I don't know if you can call it even hockey, but uh, I, I like the three on three. I think you just do. Two points for the win, zero for the loss then, though. I'm saying it. I don't mind that at all. Yeah. I, I really don't. No ties, even, yeah. no bonus points, nothing. I think you could even scrap the three, two, one and just go, like you said, you know, you get two points for a regulation win. And if you go to the overtime, five minutes, winner take all. No, as many minutes as it takes. As many minutes as it takes. Yeah, because it's not, not going to take that long if it's three on three. Yeah, I'll, no. I'd be stunned if a game goes a full 20 extra minutes of three on three hockey. Yeah, you're probably right. right. So what you're doing then is we're, what we're finding is a middle ground mm-hmm. as opposed to making players continue with, you know, what you see in the playoffs of 20 minute overtime periods until somebody collapses or, you know, they save Peter Klima on the bench circa the... Edmonton Oilers of the mid-1980s or late-1980s, whatever. But what they can do then is just play till somebody wins, but make it three-on-three so it's far less likely to go a full four periods, five, six, whatever. I really don't have a problem with the current state of it either, though. I really don't. I don't don't mind shootouts. In fact, I like them. I don't like the shootouts at all, but moreover, it's the idea that that's why the we see so many games go to extra time because in the final five minutes of a tie game, the lesser of the teams yeah. is just, well, we protect that point. If we can, if we can hang on for sure for five more minutes, we get a point, a point. even if we lose in the next period. Yeah. No, stop it. Take it away. Okay. Okay. Um, some takeaways this week from the Ontario Hockey League. Did you get that email explaining Carter Tresser's suspension? No, as a matter of fact, I didn't. You did? Oh, oh let me... Nope. Yeah. No. Sorry, that that was a a prince that wants to give me some money. I think I got that email. You got that one? Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. And and just as we are recording this as per usual on a Thursday evening, I was so happy to see in my inbox earlier today from the Ontario Hockey League, here are your top performers of the month. Listen, OHL, CHL, I get what you're trying to do. You want your game and its best moments to be promoted. And good on you. And you know what? I am happy to do that. I really am. I think this is a great league. Had a guy call me on our post-game show last Friday after the Sioux was in town and said, you know that Morgan Frost is worth the price of admission. Tell me about it. There's a player like that, well, maybe not quite like Morgan Frost, but there's a player, I believe, on every single team that's worth the price of admission. It's a great league. 
but the league has got to stop the silence. When I, I care less about the explanation for the suspension than I do about just announcing the suspension. Nikita Ohatchuk gets suspended for three games. The media never got a notification. Carter Tresser gets suspended for five games. The media never got a notification. It's flat out wrong. Jack Fibbs got suspended October 27th. I remember because I was on the website looking for Nikita Ohatchuk suspension. Right. But the media (sighs) did not get any kind of notification. So just another one to add to it. Yeah. Um... It's an interesting, I can't believe, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it, I can't believe Carter Tressler got five games. But it's an interesting way that the, le- that the league seems to decide how to notify teams. This week, I talked to Kitchener Rangers General Manager Mike McKenzie and said, so what gives? What is the process in you, the team, finding out about a suspension off a play that wasn't penalized? Well, we'll we'll hear from the league on it. Um, that you know, and it's dependent on the schedule too. Um, you know, if you have a three and three, and something happens on a Friday night, then obviously there needs to be some communication. You know, you know Saturday morning because we're going to go and play again that Saturday night and maybe Sunday too. So a decision has to be made on how they're going to handle a situation like that. Um, so um, you know, in the case of Carter, we found out that he was suspended on Saturday afternoon, so he couldn't play the Saturday night. And then we found out the rest of it once they had more time to kind of look at things and decide what um, they deemed the proper punishment for it was. So um, it depends on the schedule a lot of times on how they dole out punishment and when it is handed down and how it's handed down. So um, that was the one situation, but each situation is different. And um, what was know, the message from the league on the hit? Uh, the, the message was that he made he made contact with uh, the Sault Ste. Marie player's head with his shoulder, and that was a, a, a point of contact. Um, if not the prime point of contact, it was it was very close to being the first point of contact, shoulder to head, and, and Carter did a pretty good job, I thought, of keeping his, his elbow tucked. There was no elbow, and that wasn't the issue the league had with it, but, um, you know, it was an obviously a hard hit and there was shoulder to head contact and anytime that happens um you know you're you're running the risk of whether fans or we or or whoever likes it that's that's what you're dealing with now and the way the league and and even the sport in general is protecting the player's head which which i think is good um you know so anytime you know, there's head contact, yeah. whether it's it's you know accidental or it's it's on purpose or whatever. You're going to run that risk of of doing something, and obviously the injury on the play and the player not returning is a is a big factor in that. And the league made that clear that you know anytime there is a big injury or, or a severe injury, they call it um, not just a guy banged up for a few shifts and gets back out there, but something significant enough where he leaves the game and doesn't come back. Then you know there might be a more severe suspension handed down and i think that was the case here so it's one of those things it's uh, they made their decision and uh, we can't change it so onward and upward and we'll move on from it should the schedule of the team affect when they find out if their player was suspended well that actually makes some degree of sense to me it does but if you're playing back to back and the incident happened earlier in the game and it wasn't penalized should it be on the Rangers to have to call up a player and force him to leave whatever he was doing in the middle of the afternoon to almost miss the bus to a road game in Oshawa? 
Because that's what happened. The long-standing knock against this league is that it's a weekend league. You play primarily on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, but nobody's in the league offices when the games are being played. So it's absolutely a source of frustration, and it's true. Had the Rangers not been able to quickly access Joseph Serpa prior to their game versus Oshawa when they found out Carter Tresser was suspended, they would have played shorthanded. Less bodies. Even it's, more shorthanded. Yes, <laughs> that's true. The way things have been going for the Rangers this year. But yeah, it, it's a fair point. I, I, the league absolutely has to do better. Has to do better. I just don't think it's going to happen because it's been this way. I know. For how long? How many more idiots can start a podcast just to rip the league on their suspension, the way they handle suspensions? There, soon enough, there will be the OHL Sucks podcast, and it will be two guys <sighs> like us, and all they will do is tear apart the bad stuff. Isn't that what we do? <laughs> well, we try to mix it in with some other stuff. I know. I, yeah. just, I just, it seems the league told the team, so the team knew, is there any onus on the team? Not just the Rangers, any team. Is there any onus on the team to let people know? No. Not th- I don't think there is. I mean, the team could if it wanted to. Our player just got suspended, but it's not up to the team. It's absolutely up to the league. It's the league that issues the suspension. Yeah. Right? You and I have both worked in the news business long enough to know that police services and whatever will control the information. They are the ones that issue the information. That's the way it should be. I just think team makes a trade. They're the ones tweeting it and sending out releases. Right, but it's their trade. Right, the team makes the, the league must approve it, must but the approve. teams yeah. have made the trade. Right, that's true. So I think it's the league's news to share. The league ought to share it. I'd be curious to th- hear if the fans care that much, or is it just you and I? Yeah, you know what? And this is another great hashtag ask FNP. It's true because we talked about this with the Nikito Hotchuk yeah. suspension, which got it all started. And you brought up the excellent point that a fan could be going to the next Ottawa Sixty Sevens game and wondering where this great defenseman is that they've heard so much about. Maybe it's their first Ottawa 67s game. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And then they're, why isn't he in the lineup? Right? And you, might, you wouldn't know that as a fan, as far as I know. You might scroll Twitter. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a great question. Do, do the fans care? I don't know. I'd like to think they do. I think they should. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, maybe they don't. Not just the fans, though. I think the players have to, have to worry about who's suspended, and they don't know. We found out Carter Tresser made the trip to Oshawa. But then found out when he got there that he wasn't playing. Yeah. That's disheartening. The hard thing is if you're the player and you lay a body check like Carter Tresser laid, in the back of your head, are you asking yourself, even if there's not a penalty on the play, is somebody going to send in this tape and will I find out later that I've been suspended? If only we could ask a player who made a hit like that. Man, if only we could. Jeez. Nate Schnarr made one of those hits on Greg Morella, sent Greg to the dressing room. Uh, to get some zippers in his head. So I asked Nate Schnarr when the Rangers came, or when the Storm came back to Kitchener, about said hit. Coming into tonight, Carter Tresser, Rangers forward, serving a second game of a suspension after a hit here that was went unpenalized. There was talk after the game in Guelph that many people thought your hit on Greg Morella should have been penalized. I just wanted to ask, what did you see on that play? Yeah, I just thought the puck was coming around a little slow, and uh, it's been something that I'm trying to work on. Is my physicality in my game, so... Uh, I kind of committed to the hit, and uh, 
uh, there was no intention to try to try to get him dirty. So uh, hopefully that's not the result. But uh, just trying to finish a check, and it's something that in my game I'm trying to work on lately. So uh, hopefully there was no no intention of trying to injure anyone. Like your hit, there was a hit in Ottawa that went unpenalized in the game, but the defenseman Hotchuk was suspended. Like the one in Kitchener, unpenalized, but the, the suspension came down. Do players worry about that kind of thing, that you make a big hit and you might be suspended later, even if there isn't a penalty? Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, it's part of the game. It's, uh, it's hockey. You know that you've got to be ready. It's, uh, it's a physical game, and obviously um, that's, it, it was something that kind of cleared my mind. It was more about uh, getting the win and uh, obviously happy to get those two points at Guelph. So, um, yeah, that was, that was behind that after that listening to Nate he doesn't let it affect him too much which is good you got to get out there and just play the game but I don't know I still think it's something the league needs to needs to address I'm with you I really liked how Nate said it wasn't his intent to hurt him but he was a little scared that something might come down still and I would say too uh 98% of the time it's not the player's intent to mm-hmm. injure not maybe 95% but I really I believe that Speed of the game. But there are certain things you just can't do and shouldn't do. I'd say 90%. 90, okay. Well, the game has gotten a little, uh, for lack of a better word, softer, a little, le- there's less hitting, less fighting. Back in my day, it was probably 70%. Yeah. Well, now that you mention it, maybe it's 65%. We're like those judges at the end of the Muppets, except we're going the other exactly. way. Yeah, it's exactly. Terrible. It's terrible. You know what this reminds me of, actually, now that we're talking about all of this? Things that are terrible? No. Oh. Things that are great. Okay. Arguably the greatest to ever play, although I stick firmly in the Wayne Gretzky camp. Mm-hmm. But Bobby Orr, I heard him in an interview this week, and all this that we're talking about with regard to hits and injuries and whatever, Bobby says that is his greatest concern in watching the game today. Loves the sport, loves the players, but he is worried that injuries will just bring a premature end to so many careers because the players are so big and so fast and so strong. He thinks we should take the center ice, uh, center ice red line back out. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how the game would change. The best player in the world, right, or the most exciting player in the world right now to watch is Connor McDavid. Without that red line in, does it slow him down? Of course it does. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, isn't that what we want to see? We want the best players to be at their best? Well, and this is... We I also think, want them to be healthy. Right. This is what yeah. the game wants, and this is the fine line that the game in general, not just the junior level, but the game in general, it's the fine line that they're walking, for sure. Real Cole's note. Connor McDavid was asked today if he could get faster. His quote was, it's definitely possible. <laughs> so... If you're trying to make it to the yeah. NHL, just good luck. Enjoy that. Warning to every other team that plays against <laughs> McDaddy. Uh, we talked last week on the podcast, Popper, and we both have a, a bit of egg on our face, I think. We talked about the Flint Firebirds. I'm reminded of them because our good buddy Mikey Gallant tweeted and said how sorry he feels for the Firebirds, having built up a 2 nothing lead on the Sioux and then... Well, the Sioux scored nine because, mm-hmm. you know, they've got players like Frost and Hayton and Hollowell and the rest of them. Uh, 0-14. Now, last week when we talked about the Firebirds on the podcast, we talked about a couple of things. One was, would last week be the weekend upon which the Firebirds would finally get their first win of the season? I said yes. I was clearly wrong on that. Mm-hmm. And then you set the over-under for wins per uh, on the season for the Flint Firebirds at nine and a half. Yeah. And thought they would reach 10. Yeah. That's not going to happen. It's just 0-14. I know. Like, they're it's on getting, pace. It's getting dicey. Oh, they're on pace for 4-64 and 64 
because you don't get half wins. They they had 20 last year. They got a point. Yes, they did. They got a point. That's a game that they tied with less than two minutes to go and then lost in overtime. They Here's the thing with Flint. 15 games. How many goals against do you think they've allowed? Ooh, okay. In 15 games. You know what? I'm going to go... I'm going to go with 79. 91. Woo-hoo, that's six per game. 91 goals against yep. per game. Do you want to take a stab in the dark as to who's second worst in the league? Second worst. So 91 allowed by the Flint Firebirds. Yeah. Which and team? It's not, like it's not. I'll just tell you. North Bay is second worst in the Ontario Hockey League with 61 in yeah. the same amount of games played. Yeah. That's a full two goals difference a game. It's not they, good. Yeah, it's not. They're in some, in some trouble. They're in one, as the kids say. Yeah. I don't know. I, I went over on that uh, over-under with Flint at nine and a half wins, and I really don't know where that win comes from in the next couple weeks they have London or they're in London Friday at home to Ottawa Saturday midweek game at home to Sarnia who's already beat them twice last week last week yeah although that's where they got their point is that their win yeah that was their win the point yeah that's the moral (laughs) victory that's oh no I'm no but is that game Wednesday November 7th is that the Flint win I'm not going to predict it ever again I'm sorry Flint I love you I think you're a great little hockey town. I don't even mind the arena. I think it's a good junior hockey arena. They got a five-game homestand coming up, and I'm saying it's happening, and it's going to happen against Sarnia. Wednesday, November 7th. Call in the shot. It's like you didn't learn from our attempts at predicting this last week on the podcast. No, I didn't learn, um, but here I am doing it again. (laughs) And and I always say I don't like to uh, make predictions. Right. But when it comes to something like this, I mean, why not? I, it's, it has to happen. It has to, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the the record for... Uh, futility. Futility is held by the London Knights. Yeah. 95-96. Three wins. Three in a 66-game OHL campaign. Yeah. Uh, Firebirds are going to give them a run, Popper. I said it on, their po- I said it on the podcast, or uh, on our, our broadcast, broadcast and podcast. Um I said it on our broadcast. I feel bad for Flint. I really do. I feel bad for the players. It can't be enjoyable. I just hope that it turns around a little bit. At least they got the point out of the way. Once they get their first win, then you can kind of sit back and get a little comfortable. I think once um, Eric Wellwood gets his systems into place, and I think that big homestand where they're all around, you do some team bonding during that. You're at home, home-cooked meals all the time, a regular thing. You're going to the same rink all the time. I think that the win could definitely come in there. I just hope that some of these kids don't get discouraged by the season that they're having because then more than a handful of kids decide they're not coming back next year because it's not wasn't fun, and they'll go and play junior B or go and play club hockey in the States or wherever you go, and then that Flint franchise is going to be without a handful of returnees, without Ty Delandria, and they're going to be in a certain situation which isn't going to be fun. It's not. It's going to be worse than this year. Yeah, and I just hope for for their sake and for Eric Wellwood's sake and for the the franchise's sake that that doesn't happen. 
We're coming up on that magical quarter point of the season that you've been talking about since, what, eight games in? Because everybody's always excited. Yeah. I even heard, you know, one of the sports casts not too long ago saying, the first place Guelph Storm uh, are in Kitchener to take on the Rangers. And if the Rangers win, and it, you and I have both been of like mind on this. It's just it's just so early. Yeah. But it's getting late. Uh, that quarter point is when we said we can finally start yep. seeing things. So since we're not quite there, but it seems to me... I'd like to know your thoughts, that things are starting to kind of level out where we expected them. Ottawa is rising in the east. Uh, London is still there in the middle of the west because they haven't had any of the returnees that they could have gotten that had them getting all the love in the early part of Mm -hmm. the season. And, you know, Saginaw is right there near the top, and Guelph is near the top of the west. Those were two teams we were sort of looking at coming into the season. So I think it's starting to take shape. I think it is, and I think after this upcoming weekend here, for for most teams, you have a pretty good idea of what your team is and what kind of team you're going to be. Um, as we talked about Niagara and Ottawa, two teams in the in the East that everyone knew would be up top or close to the top, right? They're there. Sault Ste. Marie, the talent is just too... Like, Matthew Vallalta is dominant in this league right now. Morgan Frost is disgusting. They have guys, Barrett Hayden, they have guys that can play... Um, and teams that got off to that hot start that maybe shocked a few people, like Kitchener, are starting to level off. They're playing 500 hockey. That's Someone asked me, oh, what do you think of the Rangers? They are who we thought they were. From, from the very beginning, I told fans, enjoy your 3-0 start. Be excited about it. But then when the team goes loses 4-5, be excited about that too. Because I wrote an article on KitchenerToday.com this week, and it was my byline, was, or uh, subtitle, uh, said, relax, this Kitchener Rangers team isn't the team from last year, and that's okay. You can't have a team like they did last year every year. Right. It's about that process that we hear so often about. Yeah, and you had a chance to get into the mind of Rangers general manager Mike McKenzie, one of the more astute general managing minds in this league. A lot of people were giving him a lot of credit for what he did last year, and I think deservedly so. But you had a really candid conversation with Mike McKenzie about where he sees this team this season. Coming into this year, many people could have called it a rebuilding year. Do you like that word? Ah, you can call it whatever you want, yeah. I guess. Um, you know, my job is to make the team the best it can possibly be each year um and uh, it's not something where we're looking to take years off and and throw in the towel and and just be a doormat for other teams in the league to to walk all over um there's obviously going to be years where you're older and you have more um older players and, and higher end players where you can um add to that yeah. and which was us last year and, and now graduating a lot of guys uh you know we're not as old and we're a bit younger this year and everyone knows that um, so I, I don't know if you want to call it a rebuild or a reload or, or whatever name yeah. you want to give it, but you know we're we're trying to be a competitive hockey team that you know sticks to the process of getting better every day, and and that will result in good things happening this year, and, and not only this year, but you know next year and the year after, because winning and and building that kind of you know, process driven approach is something that you know is not just going to you know. You know, you're not just going to see a result one night, but it's something that needs to be built and kind of nurtured and 
and uh, cultivated and uh, over the course of a year or two it becomes habit and, and natural for guys to understand that that's how we do things here and and then it uh, it basically runs itself after that. I like what Mackenzie had to say about building that that juggernaut like we see in London that just doesn't miss the playoffs. Sure, there are years that they go for it, but there are years that they're just happy to make the playoffs and let's see what happens. It's it's great experience for that that next team, and I wrote in my article, it's hard to talk to Jay McKee or Mike McKenzie without hearing that word of process. And they're two guys that are willing to buy into that, that process. You know, it's funny you mentioned McKee's name because I find it hard to talk to him without coming away feeling better than, when I, than I did when I started the conversation with him. And I'm thinking specifically of our pregame chat before the game against Oshawa on Saturday night. And... That was when the Rangers had just lost their third in a row to the Sioux. It wasn't a great loss, 7-4. to four, And everybody was feeling pretty down, including the fans who call my post-game show and tweet me afterwards. And we're t- I'm talking to Jay before the game against Oshawa, and he, he basically says, listen, we had a team meeting. I reminded the guys what they did at the beginning of the season, that they are capable, etc. And you just felt positive. Mm-hmm. And what does the team come out and do but works their tail off for 60 minutes? And wins a hockey game. Gets off the schneid in the schwa, to quote your excellent line. And I got to say, listening to Mike McKenzie just now and thinking about that process, I'm going to speak out a turn here. But Go for it. Here's reality. I'll turn off my mic. Okay. Reality is, Jay McKee's not going to be around much longer. He's going to get a job in the pros. And there goes, in my opinion, I, I might be alone on this. I don't think I am. In my opinion, there goes a real key piece of this continued process, that, that approach that comes every year that's, that's ingrained in the culture. I'm sorry, but it's one of the reasons London is so successful, because it's always Dale's way. Jay McKee's going to move on, and he should move on because he's a very good hockey coach. Sorry. Maybe, maybe he'll move on like Dale did and then be back a couple <laughs> years later. Maybe. I doubt it. But you never know. He doesn't. Does, is he going to be able to buy the team? Yeah. 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 That, that's why Dale came back. Fair. Anyway. Fair. Uh, listening to Mackenzie and, and Jay talk, it's, it's about that process. And if you, if you think back a few years ago, Joseph Greff was a healthy scratch. Now he's leading the team in points. And that's why you should actually, you know, what's that? Oh, stay to the end of the game. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, I had the chance after that game in Oshawa on the Saturday night to be around the team for a sponsored skate mm-hmm. on the Sunday. I just did some MC stuff, but it was much a lighter bunch, right? And it was good to see the guys in that frame of mind. But before everything got started, I was in the odd pretty much by myself. Bias notwithstanding, I'm walking around. I'm at ice level. I'm looking up at the rafters with all the banners hanging up there. And I'm thinking about all the history that's in that building. And then I'm thinking of the shape that building is in compared to so many others in the league. I mean, yes, the new ones are nice and new, but honestly, for a 60, almost 70-year-old building, this barn's a gem. I'd stay just to soak in the atmosphere. The Sudbury Arena was built the exact same year, and if you have not made the trip to Sudbury, night and day. Yeah, you're not really missing anything. You know Sudbury. You know who else loves the odd mic? Who else? Morgan Frost. It's actually my favorite building in the league. I love playing here, but I think, you know, it's, it's just, it's a different spectacle than most of the other rinks in the league, I think. Um, you know, it's loud, and once you hear that goal horn once or twice, it kind of gets you. So, um, you know, I, I actually like this song, but I hope I don't hear it too much tonight. <laughs> 
See? <laughs> this is why we stay until the end of hockey games. And that's why you stay to the end of podcasts. <laughs> I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope Podcast. This has been the Farwell and Pope Podcast, posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope Podcast originates from the 570 News Studio in Kitchener. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have faults. He had the same amount of faults as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.